Thank you so much for, for bringing that. Um, we're going to continue into the next part. So Felicity's going to bring a reading and then Nick is going to share uh, with us. The reading is taken from Matthew 16, verse 21 to 27. Jesus predicts his death. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Thanks be to God. Well, thanks Felicity for reading that, just bringing that verse to life. And I don't know about you guys, I know what I'm going to talk about, but those words, those convicting and challenging words of Jesus just have a whole new level based on what we've been praying this morning and um, bearing in mind. So uh, I'm just going to pray before we start and uh, or lead us in a prayer and you can echo this in your heart. Jesus, we thank you for speaking already, God, for moving already, for being with us. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would bring conviction today to each one of us to what this message means to follow you, to be disciples, to pick up our cross, and what that means for each and every one of us. And God, would you bring conviction that brings life, that brings more freedom for us and for others, for us here and for us in Afghanistan. In Jesus' name, amen. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. I mean, already, like I said, God's been speaking and someone praying earlier said, you know, we want to be disciples of Christ. We want to we wanna be loving. We want to be selfless. We want to be looking to those in need. We're all in need. But um, 
And that's what I want to speak about today is, um, is being a disciple. Um, and specifically, this, these words of Jesus, to pick up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. And this whole area of discipleship is something that God's really been speaking to me about. It's something that's been on my heart for a really, really long time. Um, and I, I think it's something I'm really excited to see how this could change me first us, our church, the whole church, because this is the model. Discipleship is the model that Jesus left us. He, he said, go make disciples. And if we can do that, if we can be disciples and make disciples, um, it's Jesus' plan. So um, I forgot to say I'm Nick, by the way. It's nice to see you all. So one of the great things about being up here is seeing all your beautiful faces and, and hearing your beautiful voices, especially hearing the women singing with the girls leading us in that key, that register. Beautiful. Um, and I'm an ordinant here, that means I'm training to become a priest, and my lovely wife and, and girls are at home today, but I look forward to getting to know you if I don't already. So, like I say, discipleship, something God's been speaking to me about, and I feel like this is, I would say, the defining purpose for every Christian. And I've been t- speaking to people about it recently and, and asking, you know, if you're going to say one thing that you could do as a Christian, just one thing, what would you say? I know the good Christians of us would say, oh, the greatest commandment, easy, love the Lord with all your God. But then you want to say, and love others as yourself. Um, but for me, oh, that's a great answer, by the way. But being a disciple, Jesus said, go make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. It just includes all of it. It's the whole shebang, and it's the model. It's the way, it's the, it's the attitude and the lifestyle, really. And it affects everything. And it's something that I think we've lost in the church, in our tradition, in history, in our, in our culture. Um, the language of it, you, you don't hear that word said a lot. We might prefer to use the word mentor. For example, I'm mentored or I'm mentoring someone, which is great. That's fine. But, um, but language carries meaning with it. And you know, to be a disciple meant something before Jesus. You had a, disciples would choose a rabbi and follow him, just like the 12 disciples followed Jesus. And to be a disciple... It meant, or at least for the 12, it meant spending for them all their time with Jesus, doing everything with him and doing everything he led them in. And um, so it's about discerning, this, you know, separating the difference between I'm a Christian, I'm a convert, and I'm a disciple. I want the whole thing. And as we were singing in that song, Good, Good Father, like, as he calls me deeper still, if you want to go deeper, let's do this. Let's become disciples. This is an invitation. But... If we're not doing it already, there's, it's probably because it's not easy. There's something hard. There's opposition from the enemy, and it's not easy. And suffering or struggle is one of those things. In our culture, we just naturally, we want to avoid it as much as possible. Not just in our culture. It's in human nature, but especially in our culture. Um, I don't think we're well acquainted with suffering, as m- maybe you are in the Middle East. Um, maybe we don't have as a healthy perspective on it. And of course, there are good and bad types of suffering. I'm going to get on to that. Um, but there is inherent in following Jesus, the struggle. So I just want to go through Jesus' words. Um, Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple, this is spoken to us today, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So disciples follow Jesus. 
And it sounds obvious, but we need to say it's following him, it's following a person, it's all about the relationship. That has to be the foundation. It's not about an academic exercise or a course or whatever. Those things, you know, it's part, that's part of discipleship, but it's about the relationship. And it's about being where he is. If you follow him, I mean, think about it with Jesus. Jesus is alive today, but if you want to think about him in his earthly body, you follow him literally where he goes. To the people, if he's going to Afghanistan, we're going. Or if he calls you to, if he calls you to go over here and pray with these people, we're going with him. And that means going to where he's going, not where I want to go. It means going to the people he's with, not the people I want to be with. And it means doing what he does, not what I want to do. And that's why it's important that we learn to deny ourselves. Jesus said, deny yourselves, pick up your cross and follow me. That we have to learn to let go of our will and our idea of what is right and wrong. And of course, God shows us what is right and wrong. And that's constantly, we're constantly being shaped and taken to deeper levels of understanding of, of God's mind. Having, more, um, having our minds transformed to, the, to Christ's mind. But inherently, our sort of default is our thoughts, our intentions uh, often don't line up with his. And... Yeah, Jesus doesn't go where we want him to go, or, or the, for the disciples, you can see it. They're confused, they're, they're weirded out, they're you know, offended, they're, they're uncomfortable with a lot of things Jesus says and does. So just to help us get this across, can, can you guys just speak out, just tell me an example, disciples with Jesus, and they're like, no, don't do that, or what's that about, you know, they're just completely on the wrong page. Feeding the 5,000. Feeding the 5,000. Yeah. Tried to stop the children. Yeah, he said, "No, let them come to me." Yeah, great. The leper. What was healing the leper? Yeah. Who's going to sit next to Jesus in heaven? Yeah, fighting over it. Yeah. Going to Samaria. Yeah, you don't go there. Yeah, you don't hang out with those guys. Let alone the woman as well. Let alone the you know adulterous woman. Yeah, we could go on. It's all, it's all throughout there. And as disciples, we're going to get it wrong just like they did. And um, Peter here, it's Jesus' primary, you know, one of his primary goals on earth, to go to the cross. And he says it twice. He says, Jesus, this will never happen. This will never happen to you. I love how Felicity read it. And Jesus rebukes Peter. And, well, actually, he rebukes Satan. Um, says, get behind me, Satan. You, have, you do not have in mind the concern of, of God, but merely human concerns. So, you know, when have you been so sure? Oh, I know what I'm doing. I know what's right. I, you know, I can think of a million times where, you know, either it was just my own thoughts or I was like, yeah, God's doing this. I want God's doing this in me. And then, you know, with time, I'm proved wrong. It's not to say we don't hear from God and we're right sometimes, because we all hear from God, but uh, it's both. And, you know, my, one of my favorite verses is, his ways are far above our ways, as high as the heavens are above the earth. And, and just with Jesus, you see this beautiful just submission to the Father, and um, not choosing his will, but choosing the Father's will. In the Garden of Gethsemane, you know it well, it is his lowest, most difficult point, sweating blood, he prays. Lord, not my will, but yours. And in Mark's gospel, it, he, he tells us, Mark tells us, this happened twice. He went away again and had to say it again, Lord, not my will, 
But he had to keep pressing in, like letting go and choosing, choosing him. And it's about just losing our life, like we heard in this verse. Whoever loses their life for me will find it. And this is not the default way we want to operate. We want to be in control. We want to be comfortable. Um, I think someone was praying, um, and they said, you know, the enemy is different here to the enemy in Afghanistan, or the, or the struggle is different. It's the same enemy. It's the same spiritual uh, warfare, but different sort of struggle. And I think for us, comfort is one in the West. Um, how can we follow Jesus, pick up our cross, deny ourselves if we're living in comfort? And, you know, I'm in this boat too, but um, we just need to be aware of it, don't we? And we need to turn, repent. It's just a turning. But it starts with that awareness. So it's this following Jesus, it's denying ourselves, and perhaps the most difficult part of that sentence is carrying our cross. Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Now, what's the cross? We, like we, again, we use that word so often, we can kind of forget. The cross was the most painful, brutal, awful, humiliating punishment method of execution that the Romans could think to, you know, to control the masses. So, you know, we could reread this verse and say, Jesus says, deny yourself, pick up your method of execution and follow me. Or, you know, what is our modern day cross? You know, capital punishment still exists in some parts of the, of the world. Deny yourself, get in the electric chair, pick up the lethal dose and follow me. You know, it's starting to feel pretty heavy, isn't it? <laughs> pretty challenging. That's what it's meant to sound like. Especially if you imagine the disciples, they would have seen people dying on a cross. They would have seen that, and they would have felt the weight of what Jesus is saying. And, you know, there is a cost to following Jesus. But the point is, it's not just about suffering. The cross, it was about, there was suffering on the Friday, but there was new life, resurrection life, there was joy, there was kingdom on the Sunday. And just we as Christians need to, we always live in Sunday. Every Christian from, for all of eternity now, after Jesus, we live in, in the reality of the risen life of Jesus. And we are risen with him, as it says in Romans. But Jesus says, you've got to carry your cross if you're going to follow me. So we still live in the suffering of the Friday, of the, the struggle of following Jesus. And then also there's the Saturday. There's the waiting. There's the questioning. In, in certain cir circumstances, we're not, we haven't yet got to the, the victory. But just know that there is a Sunday coming. We've got to hold that tension of those three days. And so, for me, this whole idea of carrying a cross, um, it really started to become apparent to me as I was reading this devotional, um, awesome devotional called 100 Days in the Secret Place. And it's these three uh, 17th century Christian mystics, just guys who were intimately acquainted with God, just intimate with the Holy Spirit, incredible revelation, particularly around just the presence of God, being with him in the secret place, knowing him, being, you know, just abandoned to him, etc. And there's sort of three sections to this. And the first section, a third of this devotional, is called The Way of the Cross. It's about suffering <laughs> in a good way. And, uh, you know, I think it's good to acknowledge as well as our culture. Um, in certain traditions in, in Christianity, you might have more of a focus on that. 
And I, I, I would fully, I don't think there's any perfect denomination, but I would associate with the charismatic sort of values, beliefs, theological beliefs as a, someone studying that stuff. But I want to be open, you know, to if there are blind spots, you know, every individual has blind spots, every movement, every group of people has blind spots. We want to be the whole body getting the whole of Jesus' teaching, obeying all that he commanded us to do. And suffering, I think, um, is one I, at least I, is pretty new to me, I've got to say. And that's just, I'm just speaking for myself. And I'm just going to read out the, um, one of the devotionals that really struck me, or a section of it. He says, God prepares a cross for you that you must embrace without thought of self-preservation. The cross is painful. Accept the cross and you will find peace even in the middle of turmoil. Let me warn you that if you push the cross away, your circumstances will become twice as hard to bear. In the long run, the pain of resisting the cross is harder to live with than the cross itself. And, you know, elsewhere in in this devotional, he talks about... um, Stop, stop complaining, stop, you know, silently accept your cross. Pick it up, silently walk with it. Jesus went like, to the, like a lamb to the slaughter, silently, willingly. He didn't complain about it. He didn't try and push it off. And I felt so convicted when I read this. I thought, man, I complain all the time. <laughs> I just want to avoid struggle. I want to distract myself. I want to watch something. I want to feel good. You know, that's again, what our culture wants us to do. And, um, it, but it, it was so helpful. I remember after reading this, I, was, I suddenly saw my struggles through a different lens. Suddenly, instead of complaining and trying to avoid it or try and fight it, I was questioning, God, are you trying to use this to do a work in me? Are you trying to put something to death in me so that I can have new life, so that I can be made into love? And that's the point. That's the point of the cross, is to put debt to death in us, something that isn't meant to live. <laughs> so it's our, you know, the Bible calls it our, our flesh or our, you know, our old nature, um, our default operating system, however you want to put it, our old operating system that we choose to live by. Um, and I love how, uh, as a preacher, Dan Moller puts it, he talks about having, um, being buttonless, you know, when just something pushes your butt. You know, that person just pushes my buttons. Or, oh, when they do that, really pushes my buttons. So it's about, what, imagine if we had no buttons. I just, you could do what you like. It's not going to affect me, you know. Just love, patient, kind, and, you know, self-controlled, not easily offended, not easily angered. That's a big one. How often are we offended? And that's just our junk. That's all our stuff that needs to die. It's maybe it's wounds from the past or... Maybe it is a lot of different things from the past. And it's, you know, it's our worldly loves, our, our thinking, our practices. They're not from God, they're from the world. And God, in his love, wants to put those things to death. It's his love that does that. And, you know, often the word um, discipline, often, you know, we don't like that. But God, it says, Hebrews 12, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastens everyone he accepts as his son or daughter. It's a work of love, and it may be painful, but it's good. It brings life. And now it is important, though, that we've got to discern 
what is a sort of a good suffering and a bad suffering? We're not, I'm not saying we need to lie down and accept, submit to sickness, to sin, to injustice or abuse of any kind. That's not okay, and God, that's really clear in Scripture. But, you know, we'll, we probably all know the verse, God turns, he uses all things for the good of those who love him and turns them to good. So he'll use those things that are not okay, and it's up to us to say, to, to allow God to work in it. You know, and it may be right sometimes to, to challenge that situation and say, how you're speaking to me is not okay, or whatever it might be, and to be sensitive and discerning about that. But let's not, um, let's allow God to use whatever it is. Maybe it's that difficult person, you know. I was talking to my friend about family-in-law, you know, the, the mother-in-law. It's not just the mother-in-law, it's just people. People are annoying, and it's my, my mother-in-law's phrase is, we're all annoying. Um, so let's let God use that. Maybe it's, it's really winding us up. Think, why is that winding me up? What button is that pushing in me? Maybe God wants to put that to death. Maybe he's allowing that person. <laughs> um, he's using that person to set us free from something. And so just to kind of help us kind of imagine it, I just, for me, thinking about this and thinking about the last, you know, several years of my life, it's often in hindsight, isn't it, that you see God moving. You complain about it in the time, and then you look back and you go, ah, okay, you were in that. And for me, before I came here, I was living in Brighton, I was working at a church, and I think probably my main issues were anxiety, like a fear of conflict, speaking in public, and leading worship, and yeah... (laughs) <laughs> and what's the other one? Lots. Oh, discipline, time management. Oh, I was just awful with it. And then around this time, about three years, I was um, working with a leader, lovely guy, but we disagreed so uh, profoundly on some really important things in church, and we we're both leaders, and it was a really challenging um, thing, and I had to try and talk to him about this and try and figure out how do we do this well, how do we submit to each other, but, um, but be honest really difficult. I had two team members and I was leading a team that were um, passive aggressive, angry, hurting really, Um, but it came out in some really horrible behavior and rebellious stuff and that affected the rest of the team. I had to deal with that. Again, conflict. I lived with a housemate. Uh, Again, I can't say, but a really difficult situation that I avoided forever. I didn't want to talk to him about, but it was affecting the whole house. I had to talk to him and uh, really took it terribly, didn't know how to do conflict, it was so awkward, um, but really important, and just on and on, I had five different roles, um, some of them paid, some of them volunteered, and this whole thing of time management uh, became very important, and the list goes on. So, and God used all of those things, I'm not saying they were all okay, maybe some of them were my fault, some of them were other people's fault, it's just the fallen world we live in. But God used each and every one of those to teach me to, how to do conflict well, how to talk to people in love, but in honesty and humility, and do this well. And it was, it was difficult, but it was so life-giving in my work, in my role, in my relationship with my housemates, eventually, um, in, yeah, and in any other conflicts that um, I was yet to walk into, and they happen. Um, we may be English and polite, but they happen if you're... If you're um, honest, if you're careful, you do that well, obviously. Um, 
Yeah, so all of those different things. And it's interesting, I think about it now, going into ordination in the Church of England, all of those skills are really important. Time management, that your time is so heavily demanded as uh, any clergy. Uh, conflict, if you're going to work with people, you're going to have to learn to do conflict well, especially if it's in church. We're passionate about different things and we you know, feel like God's speaking differently. Um, yeah, angst, well, public speaking leading, obviously, that, you know, I'm doing that now. So, um, and I can say, God has set me, like, I think back now, think back, you know, three years ago, how much more free I am in all those things. I'm so grateful. But none of it happened without struggle and without suffering. And I got it wrong, but, you know, God's gracious, isn't he? So, you know, what's, you know, what's your story? What are your struggles? Who are the people? What are the situations that God might be trying to use? You know, for all of us, lockdown was difficult. And maybe we haven't been able to process that yet. Maybe we're starting to. But maybe we can ask God, God, what were you trying to do in me? What are you trying to do in me? Maybe the struggle is still really real. And just ask him and allow him to give you his perspective. And then we can go with him, carry the cross, let it do its work in us. And let it bring out the life and joy that it's meant to bring. And so that's where I want to land, is joy. Is Okay, we can talk about suffering. And it will probably all feel a bit heavy if we leave and just leave it there. But as I say... It's about bringing the Sunday, the joy, the life, the kingdom, freedom, uh, and releasing us into our calling. I mentioned, you know, I, I'm called to, to go to church being, I'm convicted of that. But for each of us, it'll be different depending on what God is doing in us, what God will do in us, with us. And, um, but we all need joy, don't we? <laughs> There's no point being a grumpy Christian. It doesn't work. It's like a contradict in terms. I love Jesus. Yeah. You should believe in him. He's great. Um, it's like, oh my gosh, Jesus is amazing. But when, you, when you're full of joy, you really mean it. You don't have to pretend. He's just so good. You can't help it. But express it and, and tell people about him. And I love it because the cross, you know, we're talking about the cross. Why, what, what motivated Jesus to the cross? Yeah, the joy set before him. You imagine sweating with blood and yet he had a joy set before him that said I want to go there and I gave this talk before and Jim rightfully pointed out that joy is us that joy was you he wanted you he was thinking of you and I gave him joy to go there so for each one of us whatever our struggle there is joy at the end of the journey and there's joy today there's joy every day in the midst of the struggle but if we can walk with Jesus, if we can follow him, pick up our cross, uh, I'm convinced there'll be more joy. And I'm just going to end on this. I spent three months in, uh, in Mozambique with a ministry. I, it's really dear to my heart. And they have five core values, and they, I just love them. But I love how the last two values are suffering and joy. And they're in that order. They're in the right order. And I'm just going to read them out to you. So, value four, we understand the value of suffering in the Christian life. Learning to love requires willingness to suffer for the sake of righteousness. Discipline and testing make saints out of us and produce in us the holiness without which we will not see God's face and share his glory. 
With Paul, we rejoice in our weaknesses, for when we are weak, we are strong. And then value five, the joy of the Lord is not optional. You can hear, like, it's not optional. <laughs> if you know Heidi Baker, which is, you know, it's her ministry, she's very clear on that. <laughs> uh, and it far outweighs our suffering. Woohoo! Yay! <laughs> there you go. In Jesus, it becomes our motivation, our reward, and spiritual weapon. In his presence is fullness of joy. And with Paul, we testify that in all our troubles, our joy knows no bounds. It's 2 Corinthians 7.4. It is our strength and energy without which we die. So, to summarize, I, I just plea with you. It's been a real difficult journey, but a, such a life-giving journey for me. Let's discern, God, what are you doing? Let's embrace our cross. Let's be disciples. It's so underrated being like a convert. Let's be disciples. Let's be like 12. Let's, let's hang out with Jesus. Let's walk with him. Let's go through the hard stuff, but let's, let's do it with him. Let's embrace it, and let's receive the joy. Let's live in the joy through the struggles. In Jesus' name. Amen. So should we pray? Should we respond? I'm sure God's been speaking to you. God may even be moving in your heart now, but let's make space for more. He's here to meet us now. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in every experience we go through, the highs and the lows, you knew it, that you were a person, you walked this earth, that you knew situations that were more difficult than we will ever go through, that you went to the difficult people, that you were persecuted, that you were humiliated, you were beaten, you were broken on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, that you didn't complain, you didn't fight it, you didn't grumble, but you went silently like a, a lamb to the slaughter for us. We thank you for your example, Jesus, for suffering in order to bring life, to bring us life. And Jesus, we want to be disciples, we want to follow you, we want to be like you, and we want to, we want to walk the walk you walked. We want to carry our cross with grace and we thank you Holy Spirit that you enable us to do that in our weakness we're made strong in your strength and for those of us who are really struggling we just pray right now Holy Spirit would you come and fill us up fill us up with your power with your peace with your presence that is um, and, our, and your joy for all of us would you fill us up with your joy your joy that motivates us, that strengthens us, our joy that is our reward in you, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, we pray for conviction. Would you show us, what are you doing? What's not from you? What do we need to pray against? And what is from you? What, are you, what do we need to allow? 
And we pray for your grace to walk with us step by step along the journey to show us how to carry our cross, to teach us what it means to be a disciple.